So tonight, um, I'm going to share with you, really much along the lines of what Brother Isaac said, I'm going to share tonight about the power of the gospel in our lives and in the lives of those that we share with. I want to lift up the gospel. I want to lift up the power of the gospel in lives and encourage you all with that. So um, this started about two years ago. I started to think about, about two years ago, I started to think about vegetable gardening. Wow, the gospel to vegetable gardening. Okay. But the timing was pretty good because if you look at the way food prices are going up, right? Uh, I think I'm starting to get well positioned. And I think over the next two years, more and more of us will be vegetable gardening on a bigger and bigger scale like they did back in the old days. Uh, I know many of you already do that. And uh, it's great to have a goal of growing more of your vegetables to save on your budget. If you look at what you can grow with a 2 to $3 packet of seeds, it's pretty amazing. And a lot of sweat and work and that type of thing, of course. And uh, sometimes people come to me, and because I have a financial background, and they'll say to me, uh, what, do you, what do you recommend that I invest in, Brother Don? I've heard Bitcoin is really good, or how about some gold? And my advice the last 12 months has been, you should be buying dirt, and you should be buying seed, and you should be buying fertilizer. That will give you your absolute best return. And whatever you do with those other things, that's your business. <laughs> but I really, I'm, and I'm dead serious about that. <laughs> so anyway, so when I began to get into vegetable gardening, I knew it would t- take time to learn about it because I didn't really, I, I do not have a green thumb uh, at all. And so I knew that there would be a steep learning curve on that. But one of the things that drove me was the fact that I knew that there were so many uh, parallels with the Word of God and that whatever I would learn hands-on, I knew would transfer over to the kingdom of God. Um, so that's really one of my motivations. I don't personally, I'm the type of person, I like to, whatever I like to get into, I like to get into something that has multiple facets. Like I'm not a catch and release, like to go catch fish and release them. That's one facet. That's fun, but I would rather catch them and release them into a, a bat of hot you know, oil and eat them. So it has multiple benefits. So getting into vegetable gardening only as a hobby, nah, to feed my family in the future, yeah, but then the transference to the Word of God kind of excited me. So that's really where I'm going with this tonight. I'm going to talk about the seed. I want to get into the seed and uh, explain what the seed of the Word of God is. Let's turn to a scripture, if we could. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. And I hope these insights are a blessing to you and increase your confidence in the Word of God. That's my goal. My confidence in the Word of God is increased from this study, and I want to share that with you. 1 Peter 1.23. Now, Peter wasn't a farmer. He was a fisherman. But he wrote, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So Peter introduces side by side here the flesh of man alongside the life of the grass. Corruptible seed is represented by the grass of the field and by the flesh of men. Flesh is as grass, he says, and all the glory of man as the flower of the, of the grass. 
You know, all living things on this earth, they have a cycle to them, a life cycle. Everything, from amoebas to great blue whales. All things have a cycle of birth, life, reproductivity, decline, and death. Grass has a particularly short life cycle, doesn't it? It's not as long as a tree. Compared to eternity, humans do not live that long, do they? We're more like grass. We're not like trees that can span centuries. We're lucky if we break a century. The biblical view is that it's good, it's very good for us, mankind, to have a sense of the shortness of our lives. It's wisdom to have that sense. Some of you may recall the time I brought the 300-foot rope into church. It was a big, long anchor line, and I think I said that each foot represented a 70-year human life, and I took it all around the back of the, you know, I was at 5,000 years over here and 10,000 years, and it really, you know, time goes by quickly. Our lives are short. Now, Moses wrote in Psalm 90, verse 12, if you could turn there. He, he taught us what the, the, the faithful person's view should be regarding our days. Uh, Psalm 90, verse 12. You probably know this verse. Psalm 90, verse 12. He said, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know, when you number your days, it causes you to do different things with your lives than when you don't number your days. You do different things. It says, the Bible says here, that it causes to us to apply our heart to smart stuff, to God's wisdom in our lives. Now, contrasted with the seed of the plant and the seed of the man is the seed of God's word. The incorruptible seed, the Bible says here, is the word of the Lord, and specifically the gospel. It says that in verse 25. I'm going to talk about that. That which is born of the gospel. This seed, the incorruptible seed, does not decay, but lives forever. Everything else on this earth runs through a cycle of birth, growth, reproductivity, decline, and death, but not the Word of God. You know, what, what stage of your life is the flower of your life? I don't know. We could talk about it, but maybe 16 to 40, maybe your reproductive, potential reproductive years. It's a window of time that's maybe a third to half of your life, depending on how long you live. That's the flower of your life. How much effort on this earth is put into producing healthy bodies, right? And, and longer life and bigger flowers, so to speak. A lot. How many TV commercials are, are all about, you know, all your makeup commercials, all your car commercials, all your partying commercials, uh, all your clothing commercials? They're all about making the flowers look better. And then if you watch Fox News, all the commercials are about the drugs that will help you live longer and better. Right? All the different, it drives me crazy with all those names that they have. I don't even, I know they have people just working in labs, assembling different portions of words to come up with, you know, different, different types of drugs that basically mean feel better, get better, be better, you know, be stronger. <laughs> they have all these crazy names on these drugs. And I'm not against people being vital in their lives and living longer and feeling better. I'm, I'm for that. <laughs> I'm for that. But with all of that, we have to keep in mind that we are born of corruptible seed. The Bible says that the word corruptible means to decay. 
And incorruptible means to never decay. All of, what the, all of the seeds of this world will eventually decay. And sometimes it starts to decay, you know, even before it germinates. I planted some seeds this spring, and honestly, I'm, I, I'm a novice, what can I tell you? I made, the, I made the ground too wet, and they decayed while they were in the ground. Pepper seeds are very tricky as it is, and I couldn't get them to, to uh, germinate because it was too wet. I think they just rotted right where they were. Or maybe you open up a bag of wheat, and the weevils have already, before you can even plant the, the wheat, the weevils have gotten in there and eaten the wheat. So the, the seed can actually get destroyed right at the beginning. But God's word is not like this at all. His word, the Bible says, is incorruptible. It does not decay, and it cannot decay. It is incorruptible. Nothing can act on it. No fungus can act on it. Oxygen can't deteriorate it. Water can't make it decay. God's word is incorruptible. It has life in itself that is eternal. It does not decline. It does not age out. It does not lose its vitality. It produces life and more abundant life. It produced life at the time of Jesus. 2,000 years later, it's still producing life. For all eternity, it will produce life in those who receive it. Amen? That's a wonderful difference between the two seeds. Anyone who is born of that seed, they too will live forever, the Bible says. They are born of incorruptible seed. They will live forever. Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. God is spirit and he is truth. So that which is incorruptible produces the incorruptible. That which is corruptible produces the corruptible. You know, tomato, you know tomato seeds produce tomatoes. Peppers produce peppers. Rabbits produce rabbits. Horses produce horses. The word of God produces eternal life. And you know, all those things I talked about, they all have an arc. They all have an arc. And I know I'm on the downward side of my arc. It is what it is. But that which is born of the Spirit of God and the Word of God, it lives forever. You know, if you live to be 100, you live three... I think Brother Mark was the first one who really... Mark Michael turned me on to this concept of numbering your days. He said, if you live to be 100, you live 36,500 days. If you live to be 70, you live around 25,600 days, somewhere around there, from memory. Most of us have lived a portion of that already. Are we living a corruptible life or an incorruptible life? Let us number our days. Praise God. Wisdom is found there. You know, that which is born of God's word, it does not decay. It does not decay. You know, Peter knew decay. Peter was a fisherman in a hot climate with no refrigeration. So you either get that fish to the market fast or you get that fish onto the salt racks and salt it fast or you get it in the smoker or it's going to start to decay, right? And that's the way all the fish were in those days. So he knew decay. Peter knew decay. The farmer had the same problems. You know, stuff starts to rot quickly when it's hot. And then, of course, we know about Lazarus. He was in the grave for four days. He started to rot, didn't he? But that's not how God's word, word works. There's no decay in it. In fact, it's actually the opposite. It doesn't produce the smell of decay. It produces the opposite. Let's go there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 2.14. 2 
The word of God produces a perpetual flower, a perpetual fragrance that is the opposite of decay. The Bible says that. To those who were saved, it is a fragrance, a beautiful fragrance. 2 Corinthians 2.14. We're to be a fragrance in this world, aren't we? A good fragrance. Christians aren't supposed to stink. We're supposed to smell good for Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. The world thinks we stink sometimes. But to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? You ever run into a Christian? You run into a Christian just some random place. You're at, you know, Waffle House, and you just get talking with someone, and you figure out very quickly they're a Christian. And it blesses your heart. They're a fragrance of good to you, and you're a fragrance of good to them. You can often tell within five or ten minutes of talking to someone whether they're saved or not. You ever notice that? Gee, this person's not swearing. Gee, this person seems very happy. Gee, this person seems particularly kind. And you say, you, know, you haven't, I, sir, I've been talking to you for 15 minutes, and you haven't, I ran into some guys outside of a fishing uh, shop one day. Two guys, and we talked for 15 minutes, and neither of them swore or came anywhere near to swearing. And they had some chances where they could have, but they didn't, nor did I, right? So I said to them, you guys are saved, aren't you? Boom, they were saved. They were saved, two saved guys. It was kind of neat. That's the fragrance of Christ, praise God. Now this leads me to the point about the incorruptible seed that brings new life that never fades away. You know, as Christians, we must earnestly contend for the faith that was delivered to us. we got to keep fighting for the true faith, the gospel, until Jesus comes back. Let's go, let's go back to 1 Peter 1.25, where we ended off. we got to fight for the true gospel. Because it's the true gospel that brings life to people. Not a fake gospel. Not a progressive gospel. Not a social justice gospel. But the true gospel. Which I'm going to go over with you what the Bible says about that. That is what brings life. And we have to stay focused on that. In fact, we need to refocus on it even more, I would say. I do. First Peter 1, verse 25. Notice what it says here. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The New Living Translation says, And that word is the good news that was preached to you. The word from the Lord is the good news that was preached to you. You know, a preacher may say, Hey, I sought the Lord and I got a word for from the Lord for you folks, right? Or somebody here might have a word during the meeting, and they'll say, hear the word of the Lord. And it's very specific. It's a very specific word. And you know what word at all times is the word of the Lord to mankind, to all seasons and for everybody? The gospel. It's the gospel. The word of the Lord is the gospel. The gospel is what produces new birth. The gospel is the incorruptible seed. We have to remember that. You know, in Bible times, um, there would be messengers that would come, and they'd either come on foot or they'd come on horseback. And sometimes they would bring bad news. We lost the battle. 
The king has died. Your relative has died. And that was bad news. But other times, the messengers would bring something called good news, or the gospel. And it would be, you're invited to a feast. Your relative is getting married, and they want you to attend the feast. We have good news. We won the victory. That was called gospel. That was called good news. The birth of a baby, that's good news. Those were gospel messages. They contained good news. As Christians, we we do not want to get distracted about the message that we share. The world wants to silence the message, but we have to keep focusing on what the gospel is. Let's see what what is written about the gospel. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15.1. It's the gospel that brings new life, brethren. Not our opinions, not the letter of the law. It's the gospel that brings new life. The gospel is what brought life to you when you came to Christ. The gospel is what saved me. The gospel is what's going to save the next guy. We've got to stay focused on the gospel. That is the incorruptible word of God that he's talking about here. 1 Corinthians 15.1 Paul wrote, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. We have to hold on to that gospel. Here's the gospel. Verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he describes the witnesses to the fact of Jesus' coming, and Jesus is dying, and Jesus is rising again. It is a historical fact Out of all of antiquity, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the most solid thing that comes out of antiquity. If I elaborated on this gospel, if if I fleshed it out, I would say this. Based on what he said here, mankind is sinful in nature, and our sins have separated us from a relationship with God. God recognized this problem, and he sent his son to die for us to reconcile us to himself so that we might have new life in him. We have to stick with the gospel. That's what brings new life. God has invited us to be reconciled to him. When we believe the gospel, that good news, and we have faith in Jesus and confess him before others, we are saved. We are born again, the Bible says. The word of the Lord that produces eternal life, brethren, and will always produce eternal life in you, Paul says that here. It is the gospel. It is the gospel if we stand in it. Praise God. Today it's very popular to change the word of God, to make it into a prosperity gospel, to make it into a gospel about social justice, about current affairs, about all different things that are not the gospel that Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Paul said, of which I am chief. Peter is not pointing us to the whole Bible here. He did not say the word of God, but he said specifically, the word of the Lord, which by the gospel was preached to you. Now, the word of God is an amazing book. It has many, many functions and many, many facets. But it is the gospel that brings man to Christ. It is the gospel. 
This world is in chaos right now. Can you imagine the chaos we're going to see in the coming months in this country? I mean, am I wrong, or does it seem like every day something crazy happens in the, in the world these days? <laughs> we're going to see hatred peak. We're going to see hatred peak in this country and around the world. Jesus said that there would be persecution before his return. You know, a lot of the signs are being fulfilled. And that one's being fulfilled around the world. And that one may be coming in the United States of America. It's certainly coming in the form of trying to shut down the Christian's voice, right? But we have to keep sharing the gospel. Currently, there's no law against the gospel, praise God, in this country. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God, once you're saved, keeps working on you, doesn't it? It keeps changing me every time I get into the Word of God. It washes us, it waters us, it, it, it fills us, it gives us life, it changes us. But not every one of the scriptures from the Bible will give life to mankind. Not everyone will. For instance, if you say to someone, Oh, thou shalt not kill. Well, that won't save that person. That may show them that they are sinners, which may then point them to the gospel, but thou shalt not kill will not save somebody. Thou shalt not steal. That will not save somebody. Now, it may make someone aware that they're a sinner and they need a savior. Here's the gospel. Praise God. It's the gospel that saves us we got to stick with the gospel. All of God's word has a purpose, but the purpose of the gospel is to be that incorruptible seed. If we want the results of new births in others, we must be sure and specifically share with them the good news, what saved you and me. And we're going to have more and more opportunities, brethren. We're going to have more and more opportunities. You know, Brother Bob, for many, many years, you know, he, he saw what was coming. You know, but the timeline is not always what we think. It's not that way with the stock market. It's not that the way with the economy. But Brother Bob, for many, many years, saw what was coming in this land, right? The trends were there, and he recognized those trends. Brethren, we're living in the days that Brother, Brian, Brother Bob saw, and Brother Brian as well, coming. We're living in the days of chaos. We're living in those days. And there's going to be more opportunities to share the gospel. People are going to be hungry in this country. And hungry not just for food, I think, but for the word of God. I pray so. If we keep praying, they will. I totally believe that. It's a gospel of mercy, right? What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. We deserve hell. But mercy, the gospel of mercy is God's not going to put us in hell. Instead, he gives us grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. That's good. Praise God. We have a gospel of mercy and a gospel of grace. I'm so thankful for that. We have to be careful to keep sharing the gospel that was shared with us that has the power to give new life. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the seed. You know, just like that seed changes from one thing to another... You know, when you look at a seed, um, the seed doesn't really look like what it's going to become, does it? I've been playing with a lot of seeds lately. Some of them are so small, I have trouble planting them because they're they're so tiny, it's hard to get my big fingers on them and drop them, you know, pick them up and drop them in the hole. So I end up 
planting like three or four or five of them in the same hole by accident. But seeds really do not look like what they're going to become. And that's, the, that's what the Word of God produces in our lives. It produces a new birth. What we become is not what we started with. That's how the seed works. And of course, there are many scriptures in the Bible about seed, but I want to talk a little bit more specifically about the seed and get into some of it. So one of the things I noticed about seed is that none of it is very impressive when you look at it. Really, there's no, there's no seeds that I can think of that, wow, look at that seed. Now, the flower may be beautiful, but no one goes like, wow, look at that seed. That's an amazing seed. Let's get the first picture of a seed up here. Here's some examples of seeds. Like, you don't look at that seed and go like, wow, look at that seed. That's just amazing looking. It's so colorful and, and uh, it's round and it's brown and... The seed by itself, it doesn't knock your socks off, does it? Not if you just look at the seed, it doesn't. There's some colorful seeds, but for the most part, most of the seeds look like that. But you know, that little dull-looking seed, that little dull-looking seed, it's fine. That little dull-looking seed, if we have the next picture there, that little dull-looking seed has everything in it to produce new life. You know, I guess I knew that, but I don't think I really knew that until I started gardening. In other words, when you put that seed in the ground, you don't need to fertilize that seed. You need to water that seed. But at that stage, that far left stage, when that seed goes in the ground and it starts to produce that little tiny root, you don't need to fertilize that seed. That seed actually contains in that seed everything that you see really through the first one, two, three, four, through the first five slides, the first five manifestations of that seed. That's all contained within the seed. The root that comes out of it, the stem that comes up out of it, and the first two leaves. Those are all inside of the seed. The seed has that life inside of it. You'll recall the um, parable when Jesus talked about the sower went out to sow. You're all very familiar with that, right? The sower went out to sow seed. And some of the seed fell on the path. And the birds came right down and ate it. So that that seed had no chance at all. Boom, gone. But the second type of seed fell in the rocky soil. Now, rocky soil has no nutrition in it. But despite that, the seed was still able to spring up and grow for a season. Same thing with the seed that fell amongst the thorns. There was no room for that seed, really. And immediately, the thorns started to crowd it out. But despite the fact that there was no room for that seed amongst the thorns, it still started to grow. The seed has life in itself. And so does, this, so does the Word of God to produce the new birth. The Word of God has the power to produce new birth in it if we share it with people. You know, seed can be started on a damp paper towel. In fact, people recommend that for pepper seeds. Put it on a damp paper towel, put it on a heating mat, and hopefully it'll germinate. I haven't tried that yet. I've kind of given up. I'm going to just buy some uh, in that case. <laughs> next year. Next year I'll get on it. Um, or in the wintertime, you know what I do? In the wintertime I bought these jars that have a special lid on them and I put the seeds in there and I wet them like uh, bean seeds, mung bean seeds, different kinds of seeds like that. And then I turn it upside down and I pour the water out and I put it in the closet. And then uh, every day I rinse it. And after seven days that whole jar is full of bean sprouts. 
So for about 10 cents of seeds, I produce between $3 and $4 of bean sprouts. So if you like bean sprouts, there's a good tip for you. There you go. But anyway, there's no, there's no soil in that jar. There's only water in that jar and the seeds. But out of the seeds come the little roots and the growth part. So the seed has within it everything that starts life. That really hit me, that the seed has everything in it that starts life. Just add water. The two necessary ingredients are, ingredients are the seed and the water. You know, even the smallest children understand this. You know, my, my wife teaches second grade science, and she always does a science experiment every year where the kids start growing beans. The kids get it. The kids don't argue with her. They don't go like, those beans aren't going to turn into anything. Even kids get the fact that seeds have life in them. Even little kids do. But we don't always make the transference over to the Word of God. That the Word of God has life in it. And not only does the Word of God have life in it, it has life that is incorruptible. It has life in it that will not decay, but it will produce new life at all times. But even the kids get it. And that's why I'm here to remind us tonight that the Word of God has life in it. Now, what's interesting is one parallel that occurred to me if we go to 1 Corinthians 1.18, because I'm talking about the gospel here. I'm talking about the cross here. You know what else is also not always given credit for the power that it contains? And that's the cross. The cross is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.18. Let's look at the parallel here. Between the little humble seed and the cross, the message of the cross... 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy, God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. The gospel is incorruptible seed. It has the power within it to grow a new life in Jesus. It's sometimes it's foolishness to the world, isn't it? It's dull. Oh, Christianity, that's so boring. It's so boring. How could you... T- that's because they're not on the inside, right? They're not, they haven't been born again. They still have scales over their eyes. I've been, Christianity is the most interesting thing on the, on the face of this earth. The Bible is the most amazing book on the face of this earth. I've read probably thousands of books in my lifetime. None of them add up to one chapter of what the Bible says. All of William Shakespeare's writings don't account for one column of the wisdom of the Word of God. It's packed with life. It's packed with life-giving power. You know, in all of the Bible, they say is like a, red, a, a crimson thread, don't they? From Genesis all the way to Revelations, it all leads to Jesus. It weaves to Jesus. It tells the story of redemption. It prepares man's hearts. It's written by all these different authors over 3,000 years or so. And it all works together. It's an amazing, amazing book. It has the power to change lives, in particular the gospel. The gospel is the seed. Now, let's, let's go to John 12, 23. Jesus reemphasized the same principle here in John 12, 23. There's really two things God is asking us to do, brethren. He's asking us to share his word and water his word. 
That's all he wants us to do. The word will do the rest. We have to be faithful. I have to be faithful. I have to be more faithful in sharing God's word and then going back and revisiting that person and watering the word. We all have to. John 12, 23. But Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, Jesus' death on the cross is the grain of wheat that fell to the ground and died and then produced much, much grain. As his disciples, brethren, we're called on to die as well to self. We're called to die to self. Are we dying to self, brethren? Or are we trying to see our own wills be done? That's a good question to ask ourselves. If we want to be fruitful in Christ, we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our appetites and our wants and our wishes and our preferences for the sake of the gospel. Not just love the lives that we've been blessed with. Not even to count these lives as precious. But by comparison to our love for the Lord, to even hate this life. Because Jesus died to self, you and I, and millions and millions of people throughout history... Hundreds of millions of people have come to salvation because the one grain of wheat died. Jesus was considered insignificant when he was on the earth. Let's go to Isaiah 53. Jesus was like that grain of wheat. He was considered insignificant. Isaiah 53, verse 2. Just want to encourage you, brethren, To share the gospel, it's powerful. Isaiah 53, 2. Speaking of Jesus, a prophecy. For he shall grow up before him, before God, as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. You know, at first pass, see how insignificant the life of Jesus would appear to be. No former comeliness, no beauty that we would desire him. Despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. grief, Despised and not esteemed. Oh, one could say, Jesus, oh, he was just a good man. No, no, he was much more than that. He performed miracles, he healed the sick, he cast out demons, he raised the dead. But despite all of that, he wasn't appreciated for who he was. He was just like a grain of wheat, but not just any grain of wheat, he was an incorruptible grain of wheat. You know, if you, if you left one grain of wheat up here on this pulpit, it would never produce anything. It would just stay here, stay here until some mouse got it, I imagine. But scientists did a study. If you took one grain of wheat and you put that one grain of wheat in the ground and it grew up and it produced a plant with more grains of wheat and then you took those grains of wheat after the first year and you planted those grains of wheat, if you kept doing that for just 10 seasons, scientists say that the whole earth would be covered with wheat crops. The whole earth. 
Every single acre would have wheat on it in 10 seasons. Praise God. That's what Jesus' life did. He gave his life so that hundreds of millions of us could spend eternity with him. Praise God. That's a precious grain of wheat. That's an incorruptible word of God that gives new life. Hallelujah. Let's go to one more example. Matthew 13, 31. The gospel of the kingdom is found in the seed, and that seed is producing a kingdom-sized project that spreads over this whole world. Matthew 13, 31. Let's take a look at the, the mustard seed here. I think I skipped one of my slides. That's okay. Mustard seed next. There's a mustard seed on the finger. It's smaller than a poppy seed. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Let's take a look at the mustard, uh, the mustard tree next. From a tiny seed... Let's go to the next one. The whole kingdom from the heavens came forth from that tiny seed. That's a mustard tree. You know, that seed, that little tiny seed, let's call him Jesus as that little seed. It couldn't be stopped by the Jewish religious leaders. The empire of Rome couldn't stop it. The Catholic Church couldn't stop it. Weird thing to say, right? The Catholic Church couldn't stop it. Higher academia cannot stop that little seed. The Chinese Communist Party cannot stop that seed. And the Antichrist will not be able to stop that seed. That tiny seed of the gospel came the whole kingdom. Not only the kingdom that we're living in as Christians, but the kingdom that is coming to this earth quite possibly in our lifetime, brethren, based on the fulfillment of the scriptures. You know, the Bible says we should pray every day, thy kingdom come. Why should we pray every day, thy kingdom come? Because it's a heart check. Where is your heart at? Would you be happy if Jesus came back today? Would you be thrilled? Or you would go, ooh, I really wanted to get married. Oh, I really wanted to go after a career. It's a good heart check, brethren. We should all be excited. We sh- That's why Jesus plunked that right in the middle of the model prayer. Lord, thy kingdom come. Maranatha, I'm excited. Jesus, your return is imminent. That's the way we should be. It's a good heart check. Jesus is going to come back to this earth. There's going to be no more murdering of babies. There's going to be no more injustice. There's going to be no more hunger. There's not going to be any more unfairness. Jesus is going to rule this earth with a rod of iron, praise God. And it started with that tiny wheat seed. It started with that tiny mustard seed. And that's what he's asking us to share today. You know, the death of one man, think about Jesus from this perspective. He was one man out of billions that have lived on this earth. He died the death of a slave. He lived in a backwater country, right? He came from the country of a backwater country. Now, he lived a perfect life, didn't he? Praise God. But only 33 years. And they say he never traveled more than 100 miles from the place of his birth. But that tiny wheat seed, that tiny mustard seed, has produced a mighty kingdom. And that same seed, which is the gospel, is what we get to share with other people. Death could not hold Jesus. He was incorruptible. He is the word of God. Praise God the greatest story ever told. 
And the kingdom from the heavens, brethren? Maranatha. It's coming down to this earth. We're living in it now, but the real physical kingdom is coming back to this earth. So I pray that we are praying, thy kingdom come. Hallelujah. And what does the Lord have for us? He has for us new bodies just like his. The incorruptible seed has produced a new life in all of us. And the last part that will be fulfilled is he has new bodies for everybody who believes in Jesus. He has a new body to go with your new spirit. Praise God. And we're going to get that either at the rapture or at your de- after your death. And then the Lord returns and the dead in Christ will rise first. Praise God. It looks like everybody here I know. But if you don't know Jesus, you need to be born of that incorruptible seed. And the way you get born is you believe in Jesus. Jesus, I believe in what you did. I believe in the gospel. I believe in the good news. And I confess you, Lord, before men. And I'm going to experience that new birth. That's yours to have. You can have it in a moment your life can change. Praise God. And Christian brother and sister, which I think most of us here are tonight, let's be, let's be, let's be sure and share the gospel. The one that gives new life to the hearers. Let's not change it. Let's, let's preach the gospel to people. That will always have the same power to produce new life. Praise God. That's why you're here tonight. Because that life produced new life in you. And it's incorruptible. No one can ever take it away from you. As long as you stick with Jesus. Hallelujah. So that's, what, that's the message I wanted to share with you tonight. I hope you're encouraged by it. I got encouraged by it. It makes me want to share the Word of God, which has the power in it, in the seed, to do the work. Just add water. Just add water. Praise God. So I'm going to pray and dismiss. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you that we can meditate on it tonight, Father. I pray we would continue to fill our thoughts with your Word, that it would produce new life in the hearers, and that we would be diligent, Lord, to share the Gospel with others in the way that you meant in the Word of God. Thank you, Father, for everyone's here. Please keep everybody safe going as they leave tonight and uh, bring them all to home fellowships on Friday and back to church on Sunday here in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brethren. God bless.